listening to Sunday Sermons from Warren Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org. Book of Romans, the Magna Carta of the Christian faith, the Constitution of Christianity, the Theodicy of Paul. It is the message of the gospel from beginning to the end. It tells us our need. It shows us who God is. It shows us how we are alienated and separated from God without hope, without strength, enemies of the cross, as the book tells us. But how that we have been, listen to this, I love this word, reconciled to God. Through what Jesus Christ did for us. Now, y'all get, now, many of you, uh, y'all don't have checks anymore. Y'all use these little things called debit cards, but you still... One of the one of the greatest feelings you can have as a human being, I think, is is that when you get that check statement and you realize that what you think you have reconciles with what you what the bank says you have. That's a good feeling, isn't it? Well, that's I tell you, being reconciled to God is there's no comparison to that because we're, we're going to come up short over here. We're going to have a lot of lot of debits. But over on this side, we only have one credit. And you know what? It's enough. And that one credit, we can always look, no matter how many debits, we can look at that one credit. And we're covered by the blood of Christ. Reconciled to God. You know, we've looked at, in the book of Romans so far, we've seen in Romans chapter 1, how man is without excuse. Romans 1, 16 and 17 are major verses, uh, how the gospel comes to all who, who will believe and the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. Um, comes to the Jew and the Gentile, which were basically the, uh, the two groups of the whole known world. If you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. Just that simple. So it's everyone. We've seen that the Gentiles are without excuse. The whole human race is without excuse. Um, today, we're going to look and see how that um, the religious zealots of the day or that the Jews are without excuse. You see, what the Jews thought, man, they were amen in Paul. Amen, Paul. Those Gentiles are a bunch of sorry, low-down sinners. They're going to get what they deserve. Come on, Paul. Preach it, brother. But then Paul shifts. And he begins to talk about the Jews. And he says to them, brethren, <laughs> you fit in that category as well. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, for the next three weeks, actually. But today we're going to look in Romans chapter 2. Uh, where he begins to talk about this whole issue, verses 1 through 16. Listen uh, as I read along, you read along with me. Therefore, remember what therefore is therefore? What does he say next? You, who's he talking to? The Jews. Are inexcusable, O man, 
Whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourselves. Oh, my soul. Where's the amens now? For you who judge practice the same things. Wow. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, old man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself, oh my goodness, wrath in the day of wrath and revelation whew, of the righteous judgment of God. Who will render to each one according to his deeds? Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. In other words, if, if you know God, your life ought to be changed. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, in other words, they, they have, they're the ones that he's talked about that have rejected the revelation of God through his creation and through the conscience that they have. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory, honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, judgment is... Um, is going to come on all, but salvation can come to all. For there is no partiality with God. Amen. I'm glad of that. I'm glad I don't have to be as, as, as pretty as Pastor Matthew is. <laughs> Young, strong, good preacher, great family man. I'm glad I don't have to measure up to him. I'm glad God takes me just as I am. For as many as have sinned without law, in other words, those who did not receive the law, talking about the Jews, will perish without law. In other words, you don't have to have the law to, uh, to be judged by God. Because where was the law written? On their hearts. And as many as have sinned in the law, here we go, Jews have the law, they sin because they have the law, will be judged by the law. So you'll either be judged by the law or you'll be judged in what God has put in your heart because the, the law, the, the issue of the what is right and wrong is in every person's heart. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers will be then justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things contained in the law, these also not having the law are a law to themselves. In other words, they didn't receive the law. 
like the Jews did. But the Gentiles will be judged. And so will the Jews. Who show the work of the law written in their hearts. Where is the law of God written? In every person's heart. Their conscience also being witnessed and between themselves, uh, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secret of men, secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Wow. God's judgment is according to several things in this passage. First of all, God's judgment is according to reality. Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul reminds that uh, this man that we see here, the fact that he judges others is evidence that he himself will be judged. That's what this verse says. You know, how easy, I mean, think about this. We're all guilty. How easy it is for us to hold others to a standard that we ourselves will not embrace and put upon ourselves. And added you know, to that idea of thinking that since we're not doing these vile things that those people are doing, that Paul mentions there in chapter 1 that we went over and described, somehow we therefore are in right standing with God because we couldn't find one of those words that dealt with those sexual immoral things that were going on. We're not a part of them, so we must be right with God. That's what the Jews thought. And I want to tell you today, that is wrong thinking. You know what I call it? Stinking thinking. <laughs> That'll get you in more trouble than anything else. Somehow, we think, because we're part of, of a church, or because we memorized a scripture, or because we are a part of a Sunday school class, or uh, a ministry or something that that because we're not out there in the world doing all these horrible things that were described in Romans 1 That we're okay with God. I want to tell you something today. No, we're not The only way we're okay with God is to come through the only way that can get us to God and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ himself God's judgment is according to reality. We need a reality wake up. You talk about a reality show. Here it is then God's judgment is according to integrity, Romans 2, verses 2 and 3. You know, we fail when we invent a standard that we apply to ourselves and not to others. There's only one standard for judgment, and it's God's righteous standard. I'll not be judged as to how I compare to someone else. I will be judged to the righteous standard of Jesus Christ. And you know where I was judged? At the cross. At the cross. Where I first saw the light. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. We have to come to the cross. And if you've not been to the cross and bowed at what took place there at the cross... And then what followed from the cross, if you have never repented of your sin and given your life to Jesus Christ, you are in danger of the wrath of God. 
You will either receive the wrath of God that was poured out on his son, or you will receive the wrath of God poured out on you. Now, you make the choice. And the Bible is full of these uh, verses. Romans 3 and verse 4, indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. Psalm 9, he has prepared his throne for judgment he shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall administer judgment for the people in uprightness. Then in 1 Corinthians 4, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. Then God's judgment is according to opportunity. Verses 4 and 5. What, what Paul describes here in these two verses is the advantage. You know, we hear a lot today about the word privilege. Well, I want to tell you something. I've had the privilege to go to a lot of different countries on mission trips. I don't know if the Lord will ever allow me to go again or not. I don't know. My heart's open and willing. But up to this point, I've been able to make about 16 different trips to different countries of the world. Many of them would have been described as a third world country. That is, their standard of living is way below even the very poorest in this country. You take the very poorest in this country. I mean, you find the very poorest individual or family as far as the world is concerned. And as far as finances and all of that, and they are wealthy compared to some of the places that I've seen. I've seen little children in the country of Haiti. As they walk around and their stomachs are descended, just, just, just poking out. And you think, wow, they must be well fed here. No, that's not food. That's worms. And their hair has turned red because of malnutrition. And their per capita income is $350 a year. We spend $350 on nutrition drinks or getting some new item that we want. And I want to tell you, the very poorest or the poor, if you live in this great country, I don't care what color you are, what nationality you are, where you have come from or where you may be headed, you are privileged to live here. This is an, an exceptional country. If you don't believe that, get on an airplane and go to some of these other places. God's judgment is according to opportunity. He says here to these Jews, he says, you have a privilege. You have an advantage because you have what? You have received the oracles of God. You have received the word of God. He calls upon three of the attributes of God to prove his point in verse 4. He, he talks about the goodness of God. He says sometimes, this word sometimes is translated 
in our English Bibles as kindness. The scriptures are filled with the truth that God, God's goodness is extended to all men everywhere. The word forbearance, uh, this is a reference to the judgment which God withholds from us that we justly deserve. Thank God for forbearance. And then the long suffering. I love that word. Long suffering. That's exactly what it means. It means God is patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But one day the long suffering will end. That's God's long suffering, both in sending kindness and in withholding judgment. And Paul says in verse 25, he says he puts these attributes of God to the test. And he says to the hard and impenitent heart of the religious man, the hardness of his heart or his stubbornness. Sclerotes in the Greek, where we get our English word arteriosclerosis. It's the hardening of the arteries. Hardened arteries can be temporarily disabling. They can do wonderful things with that today. But a hardened heart can disable you for all eternity. Then God's judgment is according to morality, verses 6 through 10. You know, the religious moralists, and that's who he's talking to here, the Jews, they want God to judge on the basis of position. I'm a Jew. Of posture, look at me and my standing. Of prominence, man, everybody knows me. And of possession, look what I have. But in reality, those all add up to one thing which God will indeed judge. And you know what it is? pretension. It's not one of, it's not the one who possesses or the one who reads or prays over or protects the law of God that will be acquitted, but the one who lives the word. Living out the righteousness of life is the goal of, should be the goal of every believer. In verse 10, we see there are three goals given here of the believer. Uh, we're to glorify God. We're to bring glory to God. Number two, we're to honor God with our lives. And number three, uh, we have immortality, eternal life. You see, eternal life doesn't begin when we die. Eternal life begins when we have died and been born again. We're living in eternal life right now. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Then there are three characteristics of the unbelievers. They're self-seeking, according to verse 8. They do not obey the truth. They obey unrighteousness. In other words, they refuse the revelation that God has given to them. And they're depending on some type of position or power or possession or some kind of issue of placement or prestige or people would say today a sense of privilege. We're Jews. We are the seed of Abraham, therefore we are, we are protected by God. And then 
so that there's no confusion about the result of that attitude and that approach. Paul spells out the results of this religious hypocritical idea. He says there are four results of unbelief in verses 8 and 9. There's the word wrath. It's the Greek word orge. And it simply means the consistent, purposeful response of God to unrighteousness. What is God's response to unrighteousness? Death. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely, say it, die. The wages of sin is death. Indignation. That's anger that rushes along vehemently. We would, we would say rage. Do you see rage in people today? And when I watch this stuff on TV, I see just rage everywhere. Then we see the word tribulation. Thalipsis. It means extreme pressure. Then we see the word dis distress, and in the King James, it's the word anguish. Stenochoria. It means a narrow place, a confinement, or a constriction. And then we see God's judgment according to impartiality, verses 11 through 15. He now moves into these verses to assure you and me and all those who read this word of God here, that God is not picking on anyone, nor is he playing favorites. God is no respecter of person. He judges impartially and he judges righteously. righteously. The impartiality of God. W.H. Griffith Thomas summarized it in, in, in his statement. He says the entire passage from verses 6 through 16. Now listen to this. He says, it is a general statement of the divine principles of judgment. And for what reason? They are made in order to destroy the refuge of lies. He says, subordinate passages must always be interpreted in the light of the leading truths. And one of the essential truths of this epistle is that by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. Romans 3 and verse 20. But then, therefore, he says, the apostle in Romans 2 verse 13 says that the doers of the law will be justified. It must be carefully interpreted in the light of the former text, and it will then be seen to refer to the general principle of judgment. In other words, if you know the law, the law should change your life. And if you know the truth, you'll be judged by the truth. The Jews were given the oracles of God, the word of God. The Gentiles were given the creation of God and the written in their hearts and in their conscience, the, the difference between right and wrong. So on every person, there's the revelation of God to his principles and his guidelines. And there are four reasons why the heathen are lost. Verse 14 says they are lost because they have sinned against natural revelation and the creation. 
Now, natural revelation will not save you. Creation will not save you. But what natural revelation does and creation does is points you to special revelation. Verse 15, they are lost because they have sinned against the law that is written in their hearts. And even though the Gentiles do not have the law, not even the Ten Commandments, nonetheless, the Bible tells us, and God says here, that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts in verse 15. In other words, they know the moral standard of God. Now, I don't think I put this verse in the notes, but write this verse down. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. Listen to what it's written there. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Amen. Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? Also, he says, he has put eternity in their hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. If they refuse that eternity, that light that God gives them, they will never know God. They will find and form their own God. Which generally is themselves. In verse 15, they are lost because they have sinned against their conscience, which bears witness against them. Verse 15, they're lost because they have sinned against their own thoughts about good and evil. In other words, they know the difference, but then they choose to disobey. And then God's judgment is according to certainty. The wheels of judgment may move slowly, but they move surely. The coming of Christ is imminent. We like to use the word soon. Maybe morning. Maybe evening, maybe noon. There ought to be a song written like that. <laughs> but his coming is imminent. What do I mean by the word? I like to use the word imminent. What do we mean his coming is imminent? In other words, it's going to happen. We don't know when. We do know where. It's coming to the Mount of Olives. It's what it says. We, we do know who. But well, we don't know when. And this is God's long suffering. This is the time. And if you've been playing church, playing with God and ignoring God, and thumbing your nose at God, and you think you're okay because you were a member of a church or you were baptized, I had old preacher always said, I don't care how many times you baptized, you can be baptized enough to know every tadpole by their first name, but still be unsaved. If you go on into that water unsaved, you will come out wet and unsaved. That water is not going to save you. It's expensive water because we have to buy it from the city and it's expensive. And then we have to heat it up for over 12 hours with a 5KW electric inline uh, heater on 240 volts. It's expensive. But what can wash away my sin? Nothing. 
but the blood of Jesus. There's no water in the world that can wash your sin away. It's only trust and faith in Jesus Christ. The just shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We're, we cannot be saved by works, but because we are saved, we ought to work unto good things. God's judgment's according to certainty. It's going to happen. Just as surely as Jesus came the first time as the Lamb of God, as the one who was rejected and despised among men, he is coming again. But he will not come this time to be rejected. He will come to reign and to rule over all the world and to bring into judgment all of that that has rejected and despised him. And so I encourage you today, the judgment of God is certain. You have no excuse. The word of God says, come to Jesus. He's the only answer. I don't have anything else to say. As Snuffy Smith used to say, enough said. Come to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today that that message is simple and clear. And that we are without excuse. That every man, every woman, every child that has ever been born will be judged by the same standard, the righteousness of God. Because his righteousness is clear. It's been revealed to the Jews. They had an advantage because they had the word of God and they had the prophets and the law of God. But it's been revealed to the Gentile as well because God has written eternity in their hearts. He has revealed to them who he is through his visible creation, the invisible God has been revealed. And he has written in the heart of every man and every man's conscience that there is something greater than he. And so today, Lord, I pray for any who may be listening or any who may be here in the congregation this morning. That, Lord, if your Holy Spirit is now moving and working upon their hearts and lives and saying, come to Jesus, that right now they would just simply do that, that they would bow before you in repentance and say, Lord, I realize my need today. I am without excuse. I have no hope. I thought I was okay. I thought I was a good person. But I realize today that none of that is any good. For there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeks after God. God, if, you, if you're not the one doing the seeking, then it's not from you. And so today, right now, Lord, as you're seeking hearts, 
your Holy Spirit is wooing and calling and saying, come to Jesus. Right now, would they pray? Lord, I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sin. And I ask you now to come into my heart, to my life, and to be Lord of my life. And I want to live for you from this day forward. Thank you, Lord, for doing for me what I can never have done for myself. And right now, I trust you and you alone. Now, if that's your prayer today, I promise you the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you called upon him today in faith and trusting in him and him alone, the Bible says that you will be saved. We're going to sing this closing song, a song of invitation, and I want you to come. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons. If you want to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org.